I'm your host, Joshua Potts, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, super hot Potts, and we're your favorite two black runners coming at you every single two black Tuesday. Oh, we got a big one, bro. I'm excited. It's a Tuesday somewhere for sure. Welcome back to the Two Black Runners podcast, where we give you running news, running interviews, running everything produced for and by the culture. And we're on episode 43 of the podcast, man. I can't believe we're getting this deep and almost to episode 52, one year of the Two Black Runners podcast. And Aaron, as we're approaching that date, bro, we got a sponsor. We got a sponsorship, bro. Like That's kind of crazy. Who we sponsored by, Aaron? Tell them Bro, about it. We got our first sponsorship with Tracksmith Renin. And if you guys haven't heard about Tracksmith Renin, Tracksmith is a company based out of Boston. And just like the, just like us, they're made for and by the culture. And what they're Hello. doing for us is they're offering our listeners $15 off your first purchase, $75 or more, when you use the code CULTURE15. That's CULTURE15. Mm. And trust me, bro, I, I, I'm about to give myself a little sweater, some shorts. I, they nice, bro. You look a little fresh in it, too. They are. So, hey, make sure y'all go to tracksmith.com, put in that code CULTURE15, and you'll get $15 off your first purchase of $75 or more when you use that code. And that's yeah, good. Big, big shout out to Tracksmith for helping us, just motivating us even more to really just keep on going and going hard with this Two Black Runners podcast. And believe me, we are going hard for these next couple of weeks and these next couple of months because we want to keep on giving you guys the best content as possible. And that's why our guest today is someone that I feel like someone we've been wanting to get for like a real long time, to be honest. And I'm so glad we have her on the podcast today. She's an 11-time U.S. champion, a 2016 Olympic bronze medalist, 2019 world bronze medalist in the 800. And also, she was a high school phenom, high school like legend, bro. Legend. She was was a beast. Ajay Wilson is on the Two Black Runners podcast this week, episode 43. Ajay, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Excited. Now, it's really great to have you on the podcast this week. But before we get into more into everything, I just got to say, like, how are you approaching going into 2021? I know we're going into this new year. And I feel like since 2021 started, there's already been so many like new things happening. Like first, like the insurrection at the Capitol. Then we had the inauguration. But then but then like Hank Aaron died, Larry King died. But then also Michael B. Jordan got boot, got booed up. Uh <laughs> James Harden got (laughs) traded to the Nets. Like, bro, some crazy things have been happening in 2021. Just how are you approaching this year? Um, I'm approaching it pretty much how I've I've tried to, you know, my whole life, one day at a time, one day at a time, one win at a time, one obstacle, one joy at a time of just just day-by-day piecework, for sure. Yeah, and that's honestly that's the that's the best way to do it. With Joshua just named like six or seven things, I was like, oh shoot, well, Michael B. Jordan boot up. I mean, a lot of a lot of people gonna be disappointed disappointed yeah. about that. <laughs> so like, here's that this was one of your milestones. She's gonna be a little sad. That's that was Bay right there. <laughs> dang, hey, that, that that's gonna hurt. But definitely, yeah. After a crazy 2020, you never know what's gonna happen. I mean, we're even. 
I don't want to get too somber, but but coming up, I think on Tuesday is is gonna be you know the day when Kobe passed. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like crazy that we're already already a year from that, and that still seems so so fresh uh, with with everything that's just going on. But also, how how did you feel about that that recent reaction to these rumors swirling around about the Olympics? We just had Auto One uh, last week. Um, and they are, they are from what we've heard. And I mean, Otto said that they're gonna happen, so I'm pretty sure. I, I trust, I trust, I trust this <laughs> I man. Trust him. I trust, I trust him. him. But um, yeah, what was your reaction just hearing those rumors coming out? Yeah, our team's group chat was was very active. So everyone's sending like the articles or screenshots that they've seen about you know what's gonna happen, the inside scoop of what the Japanese officials are talking about. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, I really don't know. I I feel like it could go either way. Um, so the only thing that we can kind of hold on to is to be ready regardless and kind of see what happens. Um, I'm hopeful, but I guess, yeah, well, we'll see. I didn't know. I don't think it's going down. So that's I think that's more motivation to make sure we're ready and on top of our game. I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more, like going into a little bit deeper into the podcast, but I want to bring it up now. Just how much would it mean to you to go back to like the Olympics again and like try and get like that gold medal, try and get on podium again and everything for your second time? How much would it mean to go back? It would mean a lot to me. I feel like my first go around was, um, it's, it's often hard for me to describe it because it's definitely, you know, one of those things people dream about. It's super rare, a once, sometimes a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and I feel like the first time going into it, I wasn't prepared. You know, that was a really rough season for me. Um, mm-hmm. At the end was when I realized, like, I was iron deficient. And so that whole year I've been running on fumes, basically. So going into it, I, w- I knew that I wasn't prepared. So it was kind of like it was bittersweet of, yes, I'm here to compete. But it was also like I, I knew that I wasn't going to, you know, do much, <laughs> to be honest. So to hopefully get the opportunity to come full circle and feel like I'm in a better position. I know my body better. I'm more experienced. And um, I think, too, to actually be able to enjoy the experience regardless um, because yeah. mm-hmm. towards the end, you know, after I didn't make the final, I kind of snapped out of the little funk I was in and got to explore and see some of the city and see some of the other events. I think, you know, I kind of missed out on the whole Olympic experience um, just because of how like tapped into my athletic performance that I was. So hopefully I'll, I'll, well, I'll get a second chance to, you know, kind of get the, the full, the full go around. Yeah. And being like 2016, back in 2016, you were 22, I believe 22 or 23 and being Mm -hmm. 26 now, how much more do you think you just like matured as a person? Um, And like, you're just your mentality. Yeah, I would definitely say two completely different athletes from 2016 to to now. And um, yeah, sometimes I just, I laugh. So my coach is pretty consistent in training. So even being able to compare like hard, hey, I used to handle this workout this way and now I can actually do it. Plus some, um, it's super helpful to just see the growth, see the progress. And then individually, well, like personally, um, just how I approach the sport, how I approach training, racing, all of that has completely kind of shifted a bunch. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's really expected to happen. And another thing that I feel like was like no question is that when we had people like Corey Carter and Marielle Hall on the podcast, like they recommended you. Like that was the first person <laughs> they recommended to have on the podcast, on the Two Light Runners podcast. So it's great to like finally have you on. And I, we're definitely going to have to talk a little bit more about them and like your relationship with that a little bit too but just straight off the bat like how is it to be one of our sought one of our most sought out after uh guest i would have to say recommended for sure on the podcast are you and Corey really fr- friends though like is she just is she just making that up like are y'all really friends or is she just saying that no Corey and i are actually really friends um it's always funny like having people ask me that question too because Corey goes hard Corey goes hard for her friends she's a writer <laughs> She supports you like she's she supports you she's in your corner for sure um i'm a little more you know reserved with how i move you know where i'm mm-hmm. where i'm moving, who i'm chilling with who i'm cool with so it sometimes i get scenes like it's one-sided but no that's my girl she, she <laughs> actually a friend you know um she's my business partner you know we try to make moves out here so Corey's Corey's a real one for sure Hey, shout out to Corey. Definitely, yeah, definitely the homie for sure. And then before we get deeper into the podcast and like the real meat and potatoes, uh, we always like to go to like your background and really how you became the woman that you are today. And I feel like a great question to always ask all of our guests is really like, who was that person that influenced you the most when like you're, you're a child and like shaped you and impacted you most in your life to become the person that you are today? Who or what? uh made you the person that you are um if we want to say what i would definitely say my family but to get super specific i'd say my mom has been hands down like the most important person in my life like personally and especially athletically i think um she saw like the potential the talent uh that i you know exhibited really early on way before i did so having that foresight and having the balance between like guiding me along, but also kind of backing up and let me find my way on my own. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to making sure people am, that I came in contact with from coaches to um, teammates to boys, like she was <laughs> very much that like voice of reason. And um, she's, she's easily why and who I am to this day and as I get older things that I used to say to her like ma I can't believe like you do this or oh my gosh ma this is so annoying you do that like I'm literally turning into her so it's it's definitely um it's definitely she's definitely the reason why I am and who I am to this day that's awesome to hear I feel so many people too just as you get older like I feel like um, with for me and Joshua, I feel like my dad, like I feel like I'm so, as I get older, I'm seeing how much I am just like him, like so similarly, like in the way I like, the way I like think, the way I act, the way I'd be like, you know, I'd be hanging out with people and I'd be like, bro, like you need to put a jacket on, bro. Like you ain't gonna put a jacket on? It's cold out, it's cold out here, bro. I'm like, oh, I told like 70 you. degrees. Like, I told degrees. you not to wear that when we go out here and do this, you know what I mean? And, and then I'd be like, I did that to Caleb, Joshua, and Caleb was like, bro, like, what are you, are you dad now? And I'm just like, dang, like, low key, I guess so, bro. I guess I'd be, I'd be doing that too. But um, Joshua had an interesting question too. He wanted to ask you, where does your name der- derive from? 
Because like, it's interesting, too. You got the AJ and you got the apostrophe on the end, too. Like, two E's. I just, I never heard no one named AJ. So, like, where, where does that come from? Uh, yeah, so my mom, uh, so I grew up four siblings. My mom has four kids. And my first sister, her name's Jade. And my mom wanted to name her Sajada. And my dad was like, no, absolutely not. So her name is Jade now, um, but she, I joke that she lost naming privileges. <laughs> so her best friend we have a perfume by Avon um, that was called Ajay and she let her name me. So that's where my name came from, my middle name. I always joke that they thought they were cool because it rhymes Ajay Lene, but um, I don't know really where they got Lene from, but that's where Ajay came from. Mm. Does, does every black family sell <laughs> Avon though? I feel like our mom, our mom, our mom, our mom, our everybody sell Avon. Like you, everybody knows somebody that sell Avon like straight up. You know what it is, the skin's so soft, mosquito repellent. That was, that was the go-to, Avon, Avon classic. For real though, for real. That's funny, that's funny. And then we also wanted to just talk about like, was it always your dream uh, to become a track star? You said that your your mom also helped you, impacted you a lot athletically too. Was it the dream to become a track star when you were little or was you playing other sports as well? It wasn't. I always joke that I'm living the dream that I never had because I always, um, I saw myself as a soccer player. That was one of my main sports growing up. I played basketball, um, soccer, softball. And I started running track um, in between like soccer, traveling soccer. Um, mm. So I never really, I would say not until high school, like sophomore year high school, was I super into track like that. And even then it took, it took gradually kind of falling in love with the sport. But yeah, I, I, I didn't have dreams of, <laughs> you know, running professionally. I didn't know that was a thing until like it became an option. Um, mm. One of my favorite stories to tell like towards my start was in high school, just the type of athlete and the type of like connection I had to running. It was more social for me. So my mom would park across the street at the swimming parking lot and sit in her little minivan and peek over her steering wheel to see what I was doing, see if I was training, see if I was doing what I was supposed to do. For one, I was like, Ma, you know, I see you. But two, that was her way of like making sure that I was doing what I was supposed to because track was just like fun for me. It was just something that I did. It was my best friends ran track. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I need to train hard so I can run all these races and do stuff. It was it was more something that I just enjoyed doing. It was fun. So definitely not so, something I saw myself doing this long for sure. Um, when I did start taking it more seriously, it was a matter of, oh, I want to get a scholarship to go to school. That was that mm -hmm. was the extent that I saw playing in my life. And was the 800, was that always the event or did you start off doing like sprints or like field or what was the first event that you ever tried? So my first events were, I did the 400 and I was on the four by one. You know, I still, okay. I still joke with some of run runners nowadays. I'm like, y'all, y'all need to see this. My hand, you see how flat that is? Like, if y'all beat me, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So those are my first two events. And after my first year, I think 
there was like a practice we came to practice and my coach uh, rob joiner at the time was like okay everybody like just go we're gonna go to the track everybody run as many laps as you can until like you are tired or you stop or something like that and i don't know how many i did but it was a bunch so after that i switched to the 3000 and i started doing the mile um and sometimes i would do the 800 but up until high school i was a 3016 eight girl and then in high school i just did the 16 eight and four then was there like a moment as you started going like further into high school was there like a race or a practice or just something that you achieved where y'all like i I really want to take this seriously and like get to the next level. Like you said, get to that scholarship as what you were first mm -hmm. thinking about. Did that come like junior or senior or which year did that come to? So I think thinking more seriously about getting a scholarship was right after middle school. My parents swear they don't remember uh, this, but I remember them saying, hey, if you guys uh, get a scholarship, then we'll get you a car because we won't have to pay for school. <laughs> um, and so that was always in the back of my head of why I wanted to try and do some type of sport, figure out what I was yeah. good with to get school paid for. Um, I didn't get a car, but um, I would say personally of thinking about track as something that I wanted to pursue to just be better at. Um, started after my sophomore season. And that mm -hmm. summer I tried out for my first junior team. At first I didn't want to, like my mom and my coach were like, hey, we think you should go to trials and try out. If you make it, there's going to be a world junior championships in Canada. And I was like, ah, I'm good. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to train anymore this year. I want to be done. Um, but there was my mom again of like gently pushing, gently guiding, because I'm also stubborn sometimes. So if you come at me too hard, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a pushback. Um, but after doing world juniors, I got sixth place. Um, that whole experience was just, I would say, the turning point, getting to travel. That was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. You know, being on a team where everyone was super into running, it was like just a different atmosphere, a different vibe. And that was when I was like, okay, this is something that I'm really interested in. This is something that I really want to do. One, because, oh, snap, I'm going to get to travel and go places. That's so cool. And then I got free gear, like, USA kits were you know so fire um so that was that was when it kind of shifted and I was like all right any opportunity that I have moving forward to make a national team like that's what my goal is that's what I'm gonna do yeah that's dope it's like you gotta see a preview of your future and just like you got to see it from a way wider lens of what it's like to honestly kind of be like a professional at such a young age and you're like oh if i run fast i get to travel to these places i get i get more gear i get to hang out with these like-minded people um but on a smaller scale i want we wanted to ask you too like how what is the new york new york new jersey um track scene like you know with marielle hall we know came out of there i think mo is doing her thing right now city mclaughlin like how competitive is the sport there yeah i think um Corey and I go back and forth all the time about like which state is like the the most runners, the best runners come out of. And it's always like, oh, Florida, Texas, California. And I'm like, y'all can't sleep on Jersey. 
especially if we're talking about for size, the number, the amount of talent that comes out of Jersey is is like incomparable. You know, I think at the last Olympics they had a list of how many Olympians came from each state, and I'm like, we hold our own, and especially in running, I'm always hyped to talk about you know my Jersey connection and that I'm I'm representing proudly for the state for sure. Did you know did you know Marielle when you were in, in high school? So I knew of Marielle and I joke with her now because I remember at um I think it was either Meet of Champs or States, I was like, I think we were on the line, I was like, oh snap, there's another black girl <laughs> in this yeah. room. And she had like a really long, like brownish red ponytail. Her hair was cute. So I was like, okay, sis, like, who are you? <laughs> so as <laughs> I um she was, a, I think, a year or two ahead of me. So when I started training with Derek, my coach now, I found out that she used to train with him. Because before then, yeah. I thought he just trained with her high school. But during her high school career, she was training with Derek as well. So, um, yeah, small world. And I knew of her, but I didn't know her until um, she started training here again as a pro. Yeah, that, that's really wild. Just how, how small the world can be. And especially like looking across the line, like that's the only black girl in my race. And then you guys are both uh, world-class pro athletes at the same time down the road. Like it's crazy how that works out. But also to just speak a little bit more on high school, like, like I said in the beginning, like you were no slouch in high school. Like you were at one point, like you're kind of like the face when it comes to like distance running, especially in the eight, ran 204 indoors. Eventually you ran two flat uh, your senior year at World Juniors as well. And so like, what was it like just being like on, on like the mountaintop? I don't know, like in, in like the high school ranks, what was it like going to meets and everything like that, knowing that like, you're kind of, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to say, it. I don't, I was about to say that you're, you're above this, but no, I, I definitely don't think like you had that mentality, but just to the fact of just like being at that high school level and running so fast and there's so much attention, what was like the pressure and your mindset, like approaching all the meets? Well, I think like with the intro that you gave originally of like high school phenom and I never felt that way. I think I was super, my coach jokes that like I was an ostrich and my head was like <laughs> in the ground, but super <laughs> insulated of like, I didn't really follow the sport. I wasn't super like, I wasn't on whatever die stat. I think it's die stat and all that stuff. Uh -huh. like, yeah, results from other meets, it was it was literally just, I was, you know, enjoying being competitive and I was having a good time with my friends. I feel like it got weird at meets if I heard people like, oh, like that's Ajay or that's AJ because yeah. they were about to run me. But um, other than that, like, I didn't feel the pressure of like, I guess being um, one of the better runners on the scene. It was just like, I show up in our race and yeah, there wasn't a, there's, that's one thing I'm always super thankful for. And I think it's helped me along the way of, although I feel like there's been attention, I've never felt like drowned out or, you know, really felt a lot of mm -hmm. pressure, from a lot of attention. I kind of sneak under the radar with a lot of stuff. Um, I feel like even with my transition to the pro leagues, Mary came out at the same time as me. So it was it was always a diversion. There was something else going on to where I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, you have to show up, you have to perform. That's so true. Like Mary Mary King was around the same time coming on the scene, 
as you. And yeah, she did get a lot of a lot of attention. I would say more than you, more than more than you did. But um, I wanted to ask, like, yeah. for those for those younger ones, like a, a thing Mo that we're seeing, like Juliet Whitt- Whitaker, she just ran two hundred two. Like, is there any advice you would give a young athlete that is being pushed uh, to the forefront um, of stardom in in our sport right now? Yeah, I think my advice is always to to just do and make choices that are in the best interest of you as not only an athlete, but an individual as well. I think um, one of the things that I've appreciated about my transition is that it it wasn't like, you know, from zero to 100. It was very gradual. It felt very natural, super controlled and just progressive. Um and I think it can be stressful if you feel like you go from A to Z really quickly. Um, I think mm-hmm. the thing that helped me was having people around me that supported me and also were super mindful of protecting me from that outside like pressure or or noise. Um, so yeah, I would just encourage them to to make decisions that were for them, not about what other people expect them to do or, you know, what they feel pressure to do from other people, make the moves that are right for you, regardless of what other people maybe think about them. Hey guys, I'm gonna jump in real quick and I wanna thank our newest sponsor, Tracksmith, for partnering with the Two Black Runners podcast one more time. Tracksmith is a Boston-based independent running brand born from a desire to celebrate the style and culture of running. And comparing that to the Two Black Runners podcast, we're a podcast produced for the culture and by the culture. For one, the culture is being two African-Americans leading this podcast and sharing a voice where a voice isn't really heard, definitely from two distance runners. Then also, just the sport of running, that culture that's all about is the same that Tracksmith embodies. And that's why we're so proud to partner with them during this time. They're dedicated to designing stylish quality apparel for the running class. You know those kind of people that like sneak runs in between Zoom meetings or sneak in doubles like at 5 a.m. and then uh, 9 p.m. at night. If that sounds familiar to anyone out there, Tracksmith is the brand for you and is definitely the brand for us as well. So Tracksmith is offering our listeners $15 off your first purchase of $75 or more when you use the code culture15 at tracksmith.com. That's C-U-L-T-U-R-E 15 at tracksmith.com. Thank you, Tracksmith, for sponsoring Two Black Runners Podcast. So with that, like for for you, coming into high school, you said your mentality was more so, I want to get this scholarship so I get this car. When did that shift? So, you know, like your senior year, you end up running like uh, two minutes and the eight and everything. And ultimately you, you end up not even not going, going to school. You, you decide to go pro. Like uh, what went into that? What went into that decision? Yeah, it was, I think as much as it was also get a athletic scholarship, it was also not as much pressure because I was like, well, even if this doesn't work out, like I've been hitting the books, I, you know, picked a high school that I knew would, you know, be a good transition into college, the Academy of Allied Health and Science. And so I was also like, well, if this doesn't work out, like I'll just try and get an academic scholarship. Like it's, 
I don't know how they give money out, mm -hmm. but I felt like, hey, I'm going to make sure I'm prepared regardless because I don't want to feel like, I don't want to feel like running is what I have to do. I don't want to feel obligated. I don't want to feel like, um, like it's, it's stressful when it's something that I, I love to do. Enjoy. So the, the transition initially to running professionally was difficult because the, the vibe changes, the dynamic changes, because yes, this is something that I still love to do, but now it's low key your job. Like you're getting paid to do what you're doing. So Whereas in high school, I could have a little liberty of like, well, I don't really feel like running today. It's like those choices, you know, affect the the end game. So I, yeah. I had to quickly, you know, revamp how I approach things and revamp how I um how I viewed running. And initially it was it was really hard. Um my first year out went well, but well went well on the track, but transitioning from like school. I started taking college um, courses at Brookdale Community College and I would come to Philly for half the week and then I would go back to Jersey for half the mm. week to take classes from Monday to Wednesday. So finding that balance there was hard. Um, but initially getting to that point, what um, kind of pushed the decision was that, you know, at the end of the day, it, whether I was successful or not, my school is getting paid for. And I rationalized that that was what I went into this whole thing, you know, wanting out of it. So anything else is just a win. It's a plus. And I think the second underlying like push of eventually signing was that I wanted to make a, a world team. And that year, the next opportunity that I had was the world championship team in Russia. So Initially, my decision to defer was because I just wanted to stay with my coach. Um, when I went on some visits, a lot of the girls would tell me, yeah, like when you come to school, be prepared to do trash your first year because there's a transition transition, and you're going to have to get used to coaching and just all of the pressures that come with collegiate running. And that did not fly well with me. I was like, oh. Yeah, I try to run trash. <laughs> If I'm not fresh, I'm not going to make this team. Like, what? This is this is not going to work for me. So initially it was just, hey, um, what are, I talked to my mom of like, what are my options? Can I just stay with Derek for a year? Because I know this works. We've been successful. And I know that if I'm with him, I don't have to worry about any, you know, changes or if I'm going to run well. I know that I'm going to run well because I know that what we do works. And so from there, um, I guess when word got out that I was deferring uh, Adidas decided to you know on it. yeah and I remember calling my um calling Florida State like the coach that was there at the time and told her hey I'm gonna defer but in a year um after I make this team and I do what I you know kind of want to do there I'm gonna come to campus and I'm gonna come to FSU and she's like well just just know that pro running is a different ball game and i hung up and i was like ma she said something about running pro i don't even know what she was talking about but i think she thinks that's what i'm trying to do but i tried to tell her that i just want to make this team and i'll see you next year and so things kind of progressed after that so at the end of the day i was like wow well it probably seems like i'm a liar but <laughs> at the time <laughs> zero intentions of running professionally it kind of just it kind of just happened after the first decision to defer 
Yeah, I feel like she she saw it. She saw it coming. She saw it coming for sure. Cause you were you were rolling. You can she she knew the type of talent that you were, and it's just like, well, bye. <laughs> we ain't gonna get her back. She knew how things went, and I and I wasn't aware at the time. My mom wasn't aware, but I guess those two months in between was a lot of learning and talking and conversations um, of figuring out how things worked. And then as you were talking about, like, you had to take those community colleges, those community college classes, going back and forth, like those hard times. When you first, like, went pro that first year, was there ever, did you ever start to feel like maybe this is, like, too big of a risk, like, to go out and, like, try and defer? And or did things ever get hard? And then how did you just, like, uh, find yourself and just stay grounded and everything? Uh, well, the first half of my first year was, actually pretty cool because I felt like I still had the freedom of being a college student but and I ran it was like okay during the week I do college and on the weekends I run yeah mm-hmm. so I had runs when I was home but it was super lax it wasn't as I'd say um it wasn't as like okay this is what I'm doing I'm running all the time it was I do this in between courses and stuff like that. So after my first year, I decided to move to Philly and it was full time running at that point. And I feel like that was another change of, wow, this is what I do on the regular. Mm, I'm not as much of a fan of this. (laughs) I I appreciated having school to kind of be that balance because, you know, taking on the sport is a 24 seven, like this is what I do, I think would have been overwhelming at the time. So being able to have some balance and still have family time and still kind of ease into things was helpful. I think the doubts, doubts that I may have had were initially it was just about like what people were going to say. I remember um, training back at my high school track and I would like go at a time in the day that I knew people might not be out because I didn't want to see somebody and they're like oh what are you doing here I thought you were going to Florida like what's up and I wasn't explaining yourself yeah I didn't want to explain myself and kind of to your point I didn't know how things were going to turn out yet so it was like "Mm, I don't know how that's how that how that feels of defending something that I don't know if it was a good choice or not yet you know yeah yeah it's really like a a big bet on yourself in in a way and it really did all work out because back 2013 you go to your first world championship finish Mm -hmm. finish fifth and like you went with like a really a great u.s team around you with brenda martinez and alicia montano but i kind of wanted to to compare like that championship or that world championship in 2013 when you finished fifth to like your most recent finishing third like, what do you think is the biggest difference from uh, what that six that six year difference? What has changed like the most about you from those two world championships, and what have you like learned the most since then? Because looking back at that twenty thirteen race, I think at one point you're like in last or second to last, like coming through at, like like six not like six hundred like uh like like uh like 450 left then this last year like you're leading like a lot of it or in the front up there trying to trying to win what what's been the biggest difference since then i think the biggest difference has been um my training i train 
a lot harder now. I've I've been able to, um, I think gradually, that's one thing that I really love about how Derek coaches and how he's kind of brought me along. It's been super gradual. It hasn't been, hey, you need to, you know, be the best in the world today. It, it very uh. much like that. And sometimes we reflect like that 2013 team, we're going to the finals at USA's and he's like, hey, I just want you to get third place. Like he didn't say I want you to get third place, but he's like, we're running for third place, basically top three. Um, and some people might look at that as, oh, you don't want your athlete to win. You don't want your athlete to do better. But he was very realistic in, you know, setting goals. He was very mm -hmm. realistic in how long he thought it would take me to, you know, build up strength and progress and just take on uh, each challenge of, that comes with, you know, running at this level. And I think that ties into the second reason of, of one of the main differences between then and now is just my confidence as an athlete, my um, confidence in my training going into the 2013 champs. It was like, okay, just make it out of the first round. And then it was, okay, just make it out of the second round, especially the second round. I remember Alicia and Brenda went first and they both made the final. And I was like, ah, oh, I can't be the only yeah. one that doesn't make the final. Like I have to represent, I have to be three for three. And it was, it was kind of like, see what I can do versus now it's, I know that I'm capable. I know that I belong here. And um, it's just about, you know, putting together workouts, putting together races to, you know, have those big moments. And 2019 wasn't as big of a moment as I would have liked. Mm -hmm. I definitely am able to reflect on the journey that it's taken to get there and 2013 going into that race well going into worlds i wasn't even expected to make the final let alone like get sixth place versus 2019 going in as a favorite so it's definitely not lost on me how gradual but um how much work has gone into just getting to this point yeah and i wanted to ask something too like Derek thompson your coach this guy has coached you He's coached Raven. He's coached Mariel. Are you guys, Charlene Lipsy, you, you all have a whole squad. And, he, and he's been training, he's trained kids in club, I, I believe, too. Can you talk a little bit more about Derek Thompson? I feel like people don't hear much about him, but this dude is a, is a beast. He's a beast coach. He's really producing out there. Yeah. If you ask him one of his, like, biggest accomplishments, uh, I think two years ago, um, either USATF or AAU age group nationals in the 800. I think he had like four out of eight lanes or six out of eight lanes, something. Damn, something. Wow. Um, That's beast. Of, yeah. Just being able to put together workouts, put together um, plans and really help athletes develop um, is definitely something he, he does like no other. Um, he, maybe in the last three years has just been full-time as a coach, like a professional coach. Um, he was a postman for 25 years. So he'd go to work and then he'd meet his athletes at the park or at the track after practice. And his main goal was just to get as many kids scholarships to go to college as possible. So wow. for um, 
you know, him to be at this level, us to be at this level together after, like you said, his long history of coaching, like over 25 years at this point, um, has has been like a, a, another great positive that's coming out of all of this. And it's why, you know, I trust him like I do with training and even off the track of um, like advice or outside development. What's it, what's it mean to you to like have, me and Joshua grew up in the club system. Our dad was a coach and same thing. Like his whole thing is he's trying to get these kids to get scholarships. That's mm -hmm. what it's all about. And can you just talk about what it's been like to have, uh, how important it's been for you to just have a coach that actually like cares about you outside of the track and just in, in your life as a positive, as a positive person. I think as with age, I've been able to appreciate that more and more. And especially with hearing about the experiences of peers or, you know, other people that I've come up with mm -hmm. um, along the way. So Derek and I started training together my junior year when I was 17, um, uh, 26 now. And so a lot of his previous athletes too started with him very young. And whenever we get together, it's always a rehashing of, like Derek stories, we at any team event, like re, re link up event, it's always talking about just either lessons, moments, laughs, like crazy um, experiences that we've had with him. It's always reflecting on how instrumental he's been in our lives for sure. And like I said, I think you realize more that was care, that was love, that was commitment to like seeing someone else be successful. And I think that's super rare. It's super rare. And yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for for him in my life. And I'm sure a lot of the athletes that he's coached around along the way would say the same thing. And now one more thing on one more thing on this. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm really giving Derek Thompson his flowers right now. But one more thing on this, too, just for for you, because like I graduated, I graduated high school in 2012. So like I've seen like your whole your whole rise because. <laughs> like similar ages and I was just thinking like for myself like when I think about myself at like 19 like 22 to like now I'm 26 it's like I'm a completely different per person like I'm so much yeah I don't want to you know I'm not trying to get on my high horse but I believe I'm just a lot more mature mature of a person and like some of the things like I feel like you were pushed into the real world immediately you know because like like when you mentioned that when you move to Philly and it's like track full time, it's like, oh, this is a full time job now. What mm -hmm. was it like to like or who were those people in your life that kind of helped keep you grounded? Because I just feel like that'd be such a tough transition to go on because it wasn't just like you were pro and you were like, you were all right. Like you were <laughs> pro and you get in like, you know, six that world championships. You're qualifying to, to go to the go to the Olympics like you yeah, you're the next up and coming person. Like basically after Alicia kind of had her baby and everything, you were boom, you were put to the forefront. So who were those people that really like helped you through that transition? So it was definitely, definitely Derek. It was definitely his wife. Shout out to Miss Jackie. <laughs> so I have two Jackies. So Miss Jackie, his wife, also Miss Jackie. Her name's Jackie too, but she was super instrumental in her life the Tailson family in general, her, her kids, um, my family from back home, 
my mom, um, my mom would drive up like every weekend or every other weekend sometimes to visit me just to sit for a couple hours, talk. She might bring my dog. But again, of having balance, I feel like that's something I stress to anybody I talk to, whether they're new to pro or in the game for a while. Marielle and Corey will tell you that that is that's I'm on my soapbox when I'm talking about that, of just how important it is to, you know, have other avenues or other things in your life to you know, be more complete. It shouldn't just be a hundred percent. This is my, my, I always have to watch how I say it. It's not that you shouldn't be as a hundred percent committed to what you're doing, but I think to make what you're doing more fulfilling and easier to manage the stresses, it's important to have other, you know, outlets. I just want to say shout out Coach Thompson. Shout shout him out. Shout him out one more time. Because I was just thinking, like, as you guys were having that conversation, like how Aaron was saying, like, our dad, because our dad's an orthopedic technician and he assists in surgeries. And he always came out, like, pretty much every single day and, like, would train me if it was just me by myself or when we had a club team as well. And just all the other coaches and then all the youth coaches out there from football to basketball, everything like that. Like low key, they they the real they the real heroes. They the real ones out there. They the real MVPs. Like like real talk, and they do a lot a lot for the youth development. Like for sure, of just of shaping uh, men and women. Like always. So shout out to them. But then one thing I want to I want to go back to real quick is when we talk about that 2013 uh, World Championship and going to that U.S. team with Brenda and Alicia. Just like. Uh, being so young and being around so many like uh, talented 800 meter runners at that time, because I feel like the women's 800, it's always changing. Like definitely in the U.S., there's always a, a, a new woman rising up or new woman falling down. And like it's always super competitive no matter what. So being so young and being with like those two vets like that with Brenda and Alicia, how did you, did you how did you soak up all the knowledge from them? And what was like some of the best advice that they gave you at that time? Yeah, I've. I've heard from like the, or I've talked to people of how different event groups kind of vibe together. And I've only had positive things to say about, you know, how the OGs in the A game have, you know, embraced and helped me along the way. I'd say um, one of the first experiences I had with Alicia that, uh, two experiences. One was we ran a relay together at Penn Relays. And after she raced, she took off her spikes and she draped it over her shoulder a little bit, a little swoosh. And I was just looking at her like, I wonder why she did that. And so after I asked her and she's like, this, this is my sponsor. This is who's supporting me. So this is who, you know, should get the credit for support for supporting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so learning from her how to, you know, take agency in what you're doing and be intentional was something that, you know, I think less of how, like the interactions we had and even as watching her and how she moved was, was super helpful. And the second, probably my favorite that I love to brag about <laughs> is after the Stockholm Diamond League, she's like, okay, like, where are you going next? And I told her, and we were going to the same meet, but I told her that I had to go to Warsaw first and then I was going to go to the to the meet and she's like no that doesn't make any sense like you need to call your agent right now tell him i'm not doing that and you should come with me and lou and we're gonna go to switzerland so you should hang out with us for the week so for that <laughs> week i was basically like uh her daughter and she just 
showed me the ropes and we did um like a run together and it was just super yeah it was it was all love and it was it it was nice to have her as a you know resource or more than anything just an example of you know what I what I wanted to be in the sport um similarly for Brenda like I think towards um towards the end of world champs I feel like is when we actually started hitting it off and um, getting closer, but having her as a resource and, you know, supportive, even to the extent of like, I remember before we warmed up for, um, I think the final, um, of just the words that she had for me of like, Hey, go out there, do your best at the end of the day. Like, I think you have a really promising future in sport of just having those type of cosigns from her, Alicia, people that I respected was, was super like it, it meant a lot to me. Um, Phoebe Wright is also one of my all-time faves. Mm -hmm. Like she definitely was someone else that was super um, helpful and giving me insight and just putting me onto the game. I feel like that world championship team though, when it was uh, Alicia, Brenda and you, like mm -hmm. I feel like that was like one of the most popular teams. Cause so Alicia, we all know how awesome she is and how much people just love her for all the things she does. And the same with Brenda, they actually have such big fan bases. So that's I. so cool. Yeah, I, I stand up. So yeah, that's so cool um, that you got, those are the people that kind of like took you under your wing. Especially I was just gonna even say with like Alicia, she's another person, like a black woman in that middle distance that I remember just growing up like, okay, like, we got one we got one we got one out here and then to have her like court you court you in like that says a lot about who she who she is and how she moves yeah i also think she's someone that doesn't that doesn't get her flowers i think especially yeah when i first came in the game i think a lot of people had big opinions on how she ran how she Went about her business and then i think for now years later to see how things have played out with like doping scandals it's like that criticism was not warranted because yeah. she was the realest she you know was out there doing what she was supposed to and she was killing the game it just unfortunately didn't reflect that because of who she was competing against so shout out to alicia shout out to her family um she got the cutest baby, the cutest and the funniest. Her, her grandma, she put the her baby is so funny. Her family's so cute. Exactly, yeah. She's like, oh, post running goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she's an OG, OG for sure. But having all those uh those OGs being able to coach you up, you go on at 2017, break the American outdoor American record with 155, and in a great race, frankly, a great race, kind of just like. Take us through that a little bit, that experience in Monaco and running. That's that's fast. One one fifty five in the eight. Like what was what was that experience experience like? And like really battling last stretch too with some of some of the greats in the sport as well. Yeah, I can count on probably one hand. I feel like the number of races where I've went into it, like, okay, I'm gonna just I'm going to just go for it. I don't care how I finish. I don't care about how things play out. I just am here to compete. And I think that I can win. Like, even if, even if mm -hmm. sometimes it wasn't like founded in anything, 
going into races with that mentality, I feel like were some of my best races. And yeah, Monaco that year was was the vibes that I was on earlier. You know, USA's, I'd run really fast. Before USA's, we'd done time trials. I went 156 in practice. So having these experiences in my back pocket was like, okay, you just have to go for it and see what happens. Um, And I think the biggest part to that too, um, and all the, the few other races that I can say that I really went for was that Derek really hyped me up before those races. And <laughs> I don't think he takes it as hyping me up, but the races were before he's like, hey, I think you're ready. Um, go for it. If you feel good, go for it. As simple as like those words are, anybody who knows him knows how kind of like special or, or different that approach is. So um, yeah, I just went into it hungry and at the last 200, I was like, oh, snap, I'm close. And I think that I have the tendency to get excited, too, when I'm getting really competitive. I think that just comes from growing up with an older sister who I was always trying to beat. Like, I get hyped when it's it's getting tough or it's getting um, intense. So I started a, my kick a little early. But when we finished, I looked at the clock. I was like, oh, snap. I was not expecting to run that fast. But, yeah, it was, it was a great race, a big race. And... Um, I was I was super excited. Derek and I both were super excited. Oh, then that. Now we're still going. Also, oh, my my dad just barred barred in. Hey, now he wants to come. Now he wants to come onto the podcast. Dad, you want to? She oh, can't. Well, hello. you can't hear. You can't. Well, she hear. can't see me. So. You want to say something to her real quick? You're my favorite track athlete. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, keep on running fast. Look forward to seeing you in this Olympics. Yes, me too. That's the that's the hope. <laughs> We're gonna leave that part in. We're gonna leave that part in the podcast. So just a little a little quick break, little quick break. Um, but with <laughs> but with that, like yeah, pops just came in, had to say what's up. But like, you've been in the game for a minute now. Like, you definitely have a lot of time ahead of you. But what's it what's it been like? What does it feel like to be like a young vet? Because we just talked about how you got ushered in and everything, but you're still like you're in you're in your mid mid twenties. Like you have many Olympics ahead of you. What's it like to see all these new faces coming in and to just be that person? Like yeah, like people like my dad see you and it's like yeah, you are my favorite. You're my favorite athlete. Yeah, it it's definitely. I think sometimes it's lost how long I have been doing this because it's still, it doesn't seem like as much time has gone by until I think about how much time has gone by. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> I just literally <laughs> thinking about how long it's been. I'm like, <laughs> I think Drake. Is, how does it feel though? Like rookie, I think Drake out of why he says. I'm a rookie in a bit. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm appreciative. I'm thankful that this is this is the journey that I've been on. Like, I think that's the best way to describe it. I could have never imagined I'd be here, like, as a kid or even five years ago. I distinctly remember talking to someone about the American record and, like, yeah, it's math ass. Like, I don't, I don't think nobody's ever going to break that. Or, you know, just that type <laughs> of thing. Now to be 
you know, consistently a 57 runner. Um, hopefully consistently a 56 runner at some point. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal sometimes. And then I want I want to also talk uh, touch on this as well. Like last year, 2020, you broke the indoor American record as well at I believe at, at the Milrose Games, and you go on. It looked like 2020 could could have been your could have been your year. Like just how disappointing was it for you to hear the Olympics being canceled? And then how did your training just kind of change as it got canceled? And uh, how are you guys uh, switching it up now as you approach this year? Yeah, I think being disappointed that there wasn't going to be an Olympics kind of took longer to settle and and hit for me. Initially, I just feel like I was super just like my teammates, unfortunately, will be able to tell you like end of March, early April, I think before, um, you know, guidelines became strict of wearing a mask and staying six feet and all that stuff was like I was annoying at practice. I was very much like... <laughs> guys like we're gonna need to stay in our own lanes you need to back up like super just <laughs> learned about you know how things would play out and um so initially when the olympics were canceled i was kind of relieved that i wouldn't have to worry about like compromising my health mm -hmm. or the health of like my family because i wanted to like run it kind of it was a weird balance between like is this a selfish thing to kind of want to pursue and also like this is what i do so like i have to keep yeah. doing it but um, yeah, so initially I was I was relieved that I didn't have to make that decision and no Olympics just meant I could really just train and not have to worry about traveling or making those tough calls. Um, and then after I kind of like got less nervous and anxious, even though probably it wasn't warranted as things, you know, have progressively gotten worse. Um, it was definitely like, dang, I, I really wish we had the opportunity this year to to run. And now it's like this year, depending on how things play out, it'll it'll definitely hopefully be that much sweeter of, you know, appreciating and getting to, to race again. Because I realized this year, I was like, I really miss training. I, I miss running. I miss racing. Mm. I miss traveling for races. I miss my friends that I see at races. Um so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to some sort of normalcy at some point whenever that comes. Then to get to the Olympics this year as well, like and get to that final, you would I believe you would be, and if you were able to get gold, you would be the first American woman to get gold in the 800 at the Olympics. I believe that I believe that's right. I don't know anybody before correct me if I'm wrong, but like, do you ever think about that, like being able? to achieve that, achieve that, like, what would it mean to, to get like gold at that time? Um, yeah, Madeline Manning won Olympic gold. Oh, I forget yeah. what year. But she's, I think it's yeah, 60. I think it was, yeah, 68 in, um, Mexico City. I mean, not 68, um, yeah, 68, 1968, Mexico City. Olympic gold and so she's the um she was the chaplain at the 2016 Olympics so she still travels on certain teams or she's at USA's um and holds like bible studies and stuff like that so to still have some type of connection to the last time that was done is also super motivating of you know it hasn't been for a while but hopefully being able to be 
not only like one of two Americans to win Olympic gold, but also two black women to win Olympic gold would, would be amazing. And I think it put a beautiful, like, like the cherry on a, a career that I'm already so proud of. So hopefully I'll get the opportunity and hopefully I'll be able to deliver. We'll, we'll have to see. I think so. I think so. It's going to be exciting to see. The women's 800 is always, because I'm, I'm an 800 runner. Me and Aaron are both 800 runners. So being able to watch the A or even the 15 is something like very, watch very, very closely and just looking. And it's always exciting, always a competitive race. But just to speak on that, just one more before we close out, like the 800 is always competitive, especially the women's 800. There's always controversy that comes around like this event in some type of way, one way or another. How is it, how do you like remain focused like during that those times when controversies pop up, if it's with doping or anything else, if it be from a, from people that you know or anything like that? Like how's it, how do you remain focused in that time and like really st- stay on your goals? Yeah, I think it's, it's always remembering that you can one, only control what you can control and two, um, I can only put out like the best effort that I have. So that's making sure that I know that I'm doing what I have to in training. I know that I'm showing up when I have to. And that's about, that's about as much as you can do, unfortunately. Um, And so having that control, having control over what I'm able to do and what I'm able to control is, is how I kind of block out any of the other noise or um, controversies that may come up. Of course, I'm not unscathed because it's still like, I'm participating so it affects me but i mm. i try to just you know separate and when i get to the line just focus on getting to the finish line as high up <laughs> of a position as possible yeah no reason to really put energy into those things that you can't really control or don't have anything to do with you it's not it's not going to help you get better so yeah i definitely understand no reason to really focus on those things but um we have a couple closeout questions mm-hmm. for you it's been a great pod now I-, I wanted to start off with just uh when we moving up to that 1500 is that going is that is that, is that gonna moving happen on up moving on up we, we ever gonna see you at a 15. it's funny i feel like every year either every year every few years i'll do an interview and i'm like yeah at some point i'll move up to the 15. And then the next week, it's like, ah, Jay Wilson is moving up to the 15. And I've got to that job. But again, to talking about how, you know, Derek kind of approaches training and development. It's it's a gradual thing. So as, as my training increases, like year by year, we've done more with mileage. When I first came here, 35-minute runs were tough for me. Like, he still reminds me of how we had a, uh, a 10-year-old, David Bellafor at the time who we had to do a 3K tempo run on the track. And he almost lapped me. Like, he's super talented. But he really yeah. me. And now fast forward, like, my longest run is 12 miles. So, you know, it's been a gradual build up to that point. So when I'm when I'm ready, when he feels like I've developed to, you know, give the 15 an honest effort, like, that's when, that's when I'll move up. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. Uh- all I gotta say about that, I know Derek. Derek, Coach Thompson, know what he's talking about. So whenever it's time for her to move up, 
Be ready. Y'all, <laughs> ladies, y'all better be ready because we gonna be moving. I know that for a fact. And then also like uh, seeing, just uh, I don't want to go too much on the topic, but also too like uh, seeing like Donovan Brazier like last last year, like he's running crazy just overall in 800 as well, but crazy in the 15. What, three, was it 335? 335, Aaron, or, or faster in the 15? Does that give you some type of, like, like I know, 334, like, confidence to be able to, like, I could probably do that, too. Like, since I'm, a, like, a talented 800 runner, like, I could come up and move up to the 15 a little bit and be able to, like, to be, be competitive. I think I felt that way. Um, before the last maybe two, three years, maybe these 15 girls have been moving. Like, they, they have, have, they really have. Just like, yeah. It's so many, it's so many. I think definitely, I think definitely it's a possibility to, you know, hopefully at some point be a threat in the 15, but it's not something I'm super eager about because these girls get the job done and it's like yeah. jump the fire. So I'm only gonna jump in when I feel like I'm. I'm ready to take some heat, but definitely, I think anytime I see a 800 meter runner going to a different event, 15, even seeing Raven in like the 400, you know, or 500, just mixing it up in other events, I'm always like, okay, yeah, put on for the 800 people and hopefully at some point I'll be able to, you know, hold us down in some other event too. Yeah, like for that 15, you'll definitely, you have to come correct. You have to come correct for sure. They're, they run it fast in America. But then also, I want to talk about this. Uh, could you kind of describe to us what Diamond Table Talk is? I've seen you, you and Corey, you and Corey, infamous Corey Carter on the on the IG IG Live for USATF, and you guys were kind of like this. You guys did like your Diamond Table Talk. Just what is that? Uh, what is that kind of like? Could you describe that to the people for us and what you guys do uh, when you guys are on the road, basically? Yeah. So, traveling for meets is very, like it's. It's not super glamorous, although I think sometimes people think that it is. Um, but one of the the times that's kind of like a, a good place to connect is during dinners or lunches or breakfasts of just being able to sit with other athletes, friends, and just like talk about training, about um, any anything. Usually somehow it always ends up coming down to like relationships and what guys do and what girls do and you know the which events are harder or conversations like that so dining table talk is just you know sitting down and holding court with with other runners and just seeing how different the opinions are and um yeah just having a good time breaking bread and, and talking we need this recorded we need this recorded on a podcast <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear these conversations. I'm sure they're funny. So funny, so entertaining. Um, the one of the things I first told my mom, like when I first started running professionally, she's like, "So, like, how was your first meet, or how is it traveling here?" And I'm like, "Ma, like, these people are regular people. I think as seeing them on TV, I didn't think that. I don't know. I think when we see athletes on TV, it's very singular, and we're like, okay, this is how they are all the time. Mm -hmm. Super, super um, disciplined, but it's a lot of personalities. A lot of personalities. So many funny people. So many interesting people. And um, yeah, I I definitely enjoy the social connecting aspect that comes with professional running. Has there any, has there been anyone that like any athlete that you've seen on TV? 
and then met on person that you're all like, I did not expect you like to be that funny or to be something like that. Is there anybody that comes to mind like thinking like that? Um, well, the first thing I thought about was the first time I met Corey, like I, we were rooming together. So I saw her, her name on like my roommate sheet. And so, um, I was like, oh, I don't think I know who that is. And then when she came into the room, I was like, I think that she's this girl that I saw run at NCAAs, but that girl looked like way bigger. Like she looked taller and Corey <laughs> will swear she's like 6'1", but she's, <laughs> she's more petite. So I was like, I don't know if that's her. So I Googled her and it was her. And later on we ended up like hitting it off. And so she's like, oh, let me see your phone. And she saw that I Googled her. So it was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> okay. He freaked out. I Google everything. I Google everybody. Um, and she was super like focused and like low key me mugging before she was racing. And then she's the biggest like clown, biggest softie. Oh, um, so I think most people are like that. I think people sometimes say that about me. I look intimidating and like mad sometimes, <laughs> but I think in the regular, mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty chill. Yeah. Wait, did you did you Google us uh, before this? Did you did you Google us too? <laughs> Literally, she heard me talking her up. She knew. She knew. Mm-hmm. And also, we wanted to know uh, what type of what type of music are you listening to right now? Uh, we always try to like to ask this, like, or do you have a uh, top three like favorite artists that you're listening to right now, or even all time, if you want to go there. Um, right now, I'm listening to a lot of Jasmine Sullivan. She just dropped um, a project a few weeks ago. It's been on repeat. That and go hard. all time, Beyonce is like queen of the queens. I'm a a big Beehive fan, a Beehive member. I got my access revoked a few years ago, but we won't talk about that. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> J. Cole is also one of my favorite um, artists. Um, so I'd say those are my, those are my three I'm listening to now. And also a big Lauryn Hill fan. I like that lineup. What's a, what's your uh, top, top three Beyonce songs or album? Ooh, so we did a, Corey and I did a favorite Beyonce songs bracket like during quarantine because <laughs> things happened. <laughs> My all time favorite Beyonce song is I Was Here. Um, I also really like All Night off of Lemonade. And mm -hmm. I think Deja Vu might be one of my favorite, you know, old school Beyonce because it's got the early mm. Jay Z, you know. Um, but yeah, Beyonce, Lemonade, and B-Day is also probably my three favorite albums. I would say favorite song for me before I let go, like, maybe it's you. Yeah. I love that song, Go Hard. You sing it too. I, hey, for real though. No, she be really singing on that song though. That's going to turn your day, day around if you turn that on. Uh, another question we had is, outside of running, what are you doing when you're not running? You you Netflixing or you got books, books you like to read, hiking? 
what do you do when you're not on the track? Um, I feel like I just got into streaming maybe the last year. Um, I mean, everyone did for sure. Oh, but I, I never was like a big Netflixer or Hulu person, but I've been playing catch up on a lot of shows. So I watch a lot of um, Netflix now. Right now I'm watching Girlfriends because I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. So I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, COVID's kind of put a damper in this, but I used to love hanging out with teammates. Um, we'd have game nights. I'm a self-proclaimed like gaming board games card games taboo like being taboo you don't want it in taboo i'm not i don't know we need to have a taboo rally Corey and i against y'all too <laughs> oh we would smack yeah i don't want that uh, <laughs> i want that yeah we did numbers this year uh at world champs in 20 um in doha we just had him lined up. Bernard Lagat, we love him, but he had to get this work. And hey, <laughs> you've got that work. Yes, like we were cheating, but we're we're just in sync like that. So we well, we already just let us know, and it could be what it's gonna be. But Jeez, yeah, we could take them, Aaron. Come hey, on, I know, I know. Yeah, this is when you play with someone that you really know like that. It's just like remember that one time when we did the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oranges, like, wait, what? Like, how you, how'd you know that? <laughs> that's pretty much how it is. Yes, it's, that's exactly how it is playing with us. Then, also, another question I would like to ask is like, uh, is there anything that you want to do when you're done with the sport of running? I feel like for the past couple of years, it's been all just running, running, running. But, like, is there anything, any job or anything that you're looking to do once you're done with the sport? Yeah, I've been really dedicating time to kind of figuring that out maybe the last year or so um i think while i was still in school i say maybe right after i got out of school i was like sure that after i retired i'd go into physical therapy um but i think over the last what, four five years i'm not too sure about that because i don't think i want to go back to school i don't think uh. that I'm gonna make that big commitment after i um after I'm done with the sport, so I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be working to figure that out and kind of see what, what passion I, I kind of find and pursue that. So we'll see. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, you got a lot of time. I was, I was a kines major, and that was like a big thing. Like everyone's gonna be physical, going to physical therapy. I have a bunch of friends in physical therapy, but. Yeah, and then day I was like, dang, I don't think I love it that much. Right? You know, I don't love it like that. Because you really do. You you do got to love it to go back to school and then constantly, like, be learning, like, new new things and, and studying. Um, but, yeah, no, if you do do that, it's it's a, it's a dope career. I feel like it could be fun. Especially, like, you already know all these athletes and everything. Like, that could be cool. Yeah, I was... Um... I think sometimes I'm asked like, oh, do you want to get into coaching? And even with PT, like I have zero interest of working with athletes, like <laughs> zero interest at all. I like to think that I'm pretty easy to coach, but I think athletes can be pretty finicky, pretty um, sometimes difficult to coach, difficult to like teach. Mm -hmm. 
And so like in high school, we partnered with a, a local hospital and I worked pretty much with a lot of the geriatric patients. And then in college, when I did my internship, it was again, like that same population. I think that's kind of where I lie. My um, friends always laugh at me. They're like, you like old people? I'm like, I guess <laughs> like, <laughs> I just generally find myself gravitating towards older people. So I think that would that would be more of the lore of pt but yeah i'm not really sure i don't know that's cool that's cool and then another question we always like to ask because sometimes it'd be hard out here trying to get guests we don't know who mm -hmm. to think of or anything like that who should we have next on the two black runners podcast we, we need your help who, who should we have next so when i saw the question about diamond table talk one of my favorite people to sit down and hash it with is Darrell Hill. I don't know if you guys have had him yet, but no, yeah, the thrower. get him. He's super cool, super thoughtful, um, and generally just like a good conversationalist. So I, is that a word? Did I just make that up? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a word. 95% sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's super dope. And um, I think he'd be great to have, have on the podcast. So hit him up. Terrell Hill, I need some of those wings. I see you've been cooking them on the Instagram. Uh -huh. <laughs> mm. Then last question, it's kind of deep, but I'd like to end it off on this question because it kind of just, it's so, I feel like it sums up the podcast really well. Just like what mark do you want to leave on the sport of running when you hang up the spikes, when it's all said and done? What, what legacy do you want to leave on the sport? Uh, definitely, I, I hope to you know, run a little bit faster in the eight. I hope to, you know, be a multi-event athlete, you know, at some point get into the 15. But I think generally, I hope that my career, my, my journey is just an example of the value in, you know, doing things your way, making decisions that best suit you. And they may not always be, you know, cookie cutter or conventional, but that's my hope that that the legacy I leave is that, you know, you need to do what's right for you and pick and choose, find find balances between what's going to make your life complete and what's going to make your journey yours. Yeah, that's 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 dope. And I think from the story that you just told us and everything, it seems like you're living that legacy right now and you had a lot of help from the ogs and your coach shout out derek thompson one more time for just uh doing this thing and thank you for coming on to the to the podcast we really do appreciate you coming on like our dads like my dad said you were his favorite athlete so mm -hmm. to have you on the podcast really does mean a lot and a shout out to the listeners for listening all the way through aaron you got anything else you gotta say before we close out the pod as always, to our listeners, if you listen this far into the podcast, you truly are a day one homie, and we appreciate sure. you so much. Don't forget to uh, rate the podcast, leave a leave a comment down it below as well. But we want to give our thanks to AJ for just coming on and uh, just yeah, just talking with us and hanging out. We really do appreciate it. And like Joshua said, you're our dad's favorite. You're dad's favorite athlete. <laughs> We've been watching your your whole whole rise since high school, so it's dope to just get to sit down and get to talk to you to get to talk to you a little bit. No, Ditto, thanks thanks for having me on and thanks for creating and having this space because I think it's it's super needed and um, 
it's definitely a you know seemingly uh like unique concept but it shouldn't be you know what i mean like mm. should be telling our stories and i think it's always great when you have people interested in helping you tell your stories that have a different understanding because they look like you yeah most definitely wise words from a young vet with an old soul uh thank you for coming <laughs> on the podcast ajay see you guys next week on another two black tuesday it's tuesday somewhere hey